I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I told you Tiger Woods would never win another golf tournament. (laughs) Boy, was I almost wrong here. As my friend Bob Herrig wrote for ESPN.com, Tiger Woods came up short, just two and a half feet short. What an amazing story, an amazing week of golf. Tiger was terrific. We've got all that. Mike Evans signs a five-year contract extension, $82.5 million. He's money, Mike. We're going to discuss uh, just what that will do uh, for Mike Evans and where he ranks among NFL receivers. And the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete has a repeat winner and a local resident at that. The Lightning win. The race sent home some future stars down to AAA. And, boy, just a ton of things from the weekend here on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hello, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Man, you know, this started on Thursday um, when I went out there and saw the crowds when the Valspar Championship began, and I followed Tiger Woods around for like 10 holes, and you knew that this was going to be a different type of event this year. I I have never seen anything like it. I I saw Tiger play many years ago uh, at the Firestone, which at that time is, um, you know, up in the Akron area. And, you know, he, he is always been a big draw, but particularly since he's suddenly playing well again. And he had not been, of course, in the Tampa Bay area some 20 years in 1998, I think it was, before he won the Masters. He played in what was then the J.C. Penney, uh, which was they, they would pair a PGA golfer with an LPGA golfer. But this was this weekend was incredible. I mean, it was massive crowds, 30,000, they estimated, uh, over the weekend each day. And uh, just terrific drama all the way to the 72nd hole. I mean, it's one thing to have Tiger Woods in the tournament and trying to make this comeback after the spinal fusion surgery. To see him go to the final hole of a PGA event and have a chance to win was just incredible drama. And I'm here to tell you, there was a moment where it looked like Tiger Magic was, was still around. We'll get into all... Uh, the things with respect to NBC and, and the ratings and, and what's what's about to come out, I would think, tomorrow for what the final round. You know what the biggest impact Tiger Woods, I mean, if, say anything you want about his game and where it's at, whether the short game is terrific or the putting or the, you know, what just, just how it, the biggest thing is that the whole country said to themselves when they woke up Sunday morning, I can't wait to see the final round of the Valspar. I mean, that... That's really what his, what his impact is. Colin Cowherd had a, an interesting tweet, or it was a very true tweet. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was, the, the best power of Tiger isn't off the tee, but the fact that, quote, I want to watch the Valspar Championship today. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, this is not a major tournament. It didn't matter. I mean, Tiger, Tiger was back. Tiger was in contention. And like I said, he, you know, he started the day. He was one stroke out. It, it didn't have the kind of day he had on Saturday. Tom Jones had written something, I think, after Friday's round when um, he shot a really good round, and he was at that time a couple of strokes behind, I think, in second place. And, and he said that uh, – and at one point he had the, had the lead by himself during that round. And he said that this was you know, arguably one of the biggest days in Tampa Bay sports history. Now, I think that's a little hyperbole. 
because I, I wouldn't equate one round uh, of Tiger Woods, particularly since the next day he went lower and shot 67. Um, but, but I understand what he was saying because this was the center of not just the golf world, but really of the sport world. I mean, there were so many things competing this weekend for your sports attention just in Tampa Bay alone. I mean, you had the Lightning play the matinee game against Montreal, which they won again in overtime in a shootout 3-2. to two. Um, on Saturday, you had, you know, the, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg all weekend. Um, the, you know, March Madness, we're right in the, right in the, the beginning of it, uh, or, you know, with the conference tournaments and then Selection Sunday, which, uh, com- you know, competed for everybody's sports attention. But there was nothing, I guarantee you, that, that no matter whether you were a racing fan or a basketball fan, if you're a sports fan, you were watching Tiger Woods. And... This thing was a great tournament, a great leaderboard. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, he did not, you know, on, on Saturday, I mean, the guy was, you know, chipping it in from, you know, the rough. He was, he was sinking, you know, 30-something footers. Uh, you know, the, the crowd was, was on fire. He didn't get much to cheer about. I mean, he birdied the first hole um, on the par five. He had a bogey uh, after that. And he just, he just seemed to leave a lot of putts short. He didn't have great approaches. He wasn't real confident in his irons, but he got there, and he still had some magic. And when they got – it was funny because when he got to the uh, 17th uh, tee, it was, you know, sort of like, well, let's see, you know, let's see what he's got. And he, and he, he left one – it was 44 feet short of the hole. And so it's like, well, you know, you're down two strokes at that point um, to Paul Casey, and, and you only have two holes to play, so you're going to have to birdie this. 18 is not a great birdie hole. And the guy sinks a 44-foot putt to come within one stroke. Unbelievable. So uh, courtesy of NBC Sports, you know, he, Tiger was asked how he thought he would react to being back in contention on Sunday. I felt very comfortable, actually. Uh, I didn't feel that sharp with my iron game. Uh, I, I played very conservatively into the greens because I just wasn't as sharp as I was yesterday. And uh, just tried to hopefully get a couple good numbers. Um, and know, fired a few flags, but it's one of those days where I kept getting the half club. Um, just one of those days where I just couldn't quite get get the full club. Yeah, I mean, he 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 left himself with some some really long birdie putts and and a couple that he probably wished he had back. One that lipped out, um, and it you know you you play four rounds, it always comes down to one shot, right? But he was in it, and when he went to seventeen. Um, you know, you, it, this was not an easy putt. I mean, these things, you get about a 5% chance of making these. And the hardest thing about this one wasn't so much its distance, but it was trying to get the speed right. Uh, just get the right speed. Just putt to the picture and get the right speed. And I hit it with what I thought was good dying pace. And it took forever for that grain to take it. And I finally did it at the very end. The crowds, I mean, the roar is, is unlike anything that you can really put into words unless you experience it out there. I mean, it's it was... It was like a major tournament. It was like the old Tiger Woods, um, you know, when he was winning all those majors and and uh, and he was just transforming golf. And uh, it had to have had an effect on some people. Uh, certainly, you know, he's playing with uh, Stenson. Didn't play very well, although he did the day before. But it was just incredible. I mean, it was great theater. And you got to wonder just the way he came into this tournament. I mean, you know, a few months ago. Who'd have known that you know he would even be able to play, let alone play this well? I mean, spinal fusion surgery is something that no one's ever attempted to play with. So, what about this week? What did it do for his game? 
Well, I think that uh, I've gotten a little bit better than what I was, you know, a couple weeks ago at Honda, and I keep getting just a little bit better and a little bit sharper. Uh, today wasn't quite as sharp as I, as I would like to have had it, but I had a good shot at winning this golf tournament and um, a couple putts here and there. Uh, could have been a different story. Sure would have been. Everybody would have loved to have seen him make get at least into a playoff. And to be honest, you know, Paul Casey posted a uh, a ten under. And it didn't look like that was necessarily going to hold up. Now, he's a guy that had not won on the PGA Tour for like nine years. So he was 2009, the Houston Open, I believe. Yeah, very familiar with playing Tiger Woods and getting beat by him um, and Tiger beating the field. So it wasn't, this was not new to him. He's experienced Tiger Mania before, but he had just an unbelievable day. He shoots a final round 65 on Copperhead uh, to. you know, win his second PGA Tour. He's got 13 European Tour wins, but this was emotional for him. This was good stuff all the way around. This is Paul Casey, courtesy of the Golf Channel. It means an awful lot. Uh, I love this game, and uh, I think what makes it sweet is it was a week where we saw Tiger uh, play great golf again. Um, yeah, I thought he was going to make that part in 18. That part in 17 was amazing. Uh, hear, those, hear those Tiger chants uh, to... Uh, you know, finally get one up on him. He's beaten, beaten me up hundreds of times. To so finally get one up on him is, is something very, very special. It was special, all right. And it looked like, like I said, that Casey was going to have to go back onto the course. He finished a good, a good bit ahead of Tiger. And, and the guy who's got to be kicking himself today is Patrick Reed. I mean, Patrick Reed played great. Um, all he had to do was par the final hole of 18. He, you know, he left his tee shot a little bit, or his second shot a little bit short. It rolled back down the hill. But still, if he two putts from there and and has a uh, you know just a par, he's going to be ten under as well, and they're going to go to a playoff. Instead, you know he left his his putt from there short, and it rolled back down the hill almost to his feet. Then he chipped up, wasn't able to chip in. He makes bogey, and ends up uh, essentially, I guess, in a tie with Tiger for second place. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what this weekend will be remembered for is. Tiger Woods in his comeback. Now, you know, it's only his fourth official tournament, if you think about this, since undergoing what is his fourth back surgery. The other three um, left him with pain. He he was unable physically to really to do a whole lot. His game did not look the same. Um, He just wasn't the same. He he, He was hurt. And that's why I always doubted with a back injury like that and having seen him try to come back before, you know, your thought was, okay, first of all, how long... You know, can he play a full tournament? Will he make a cut? Um, you know, does how awkward does he look? How much pain is he in? He always would show, you know, grimacing. And, you know, I guess, you know, there was a time when, you know, he had nerve problems in his foot and all that. But spinal fusion surgery is a different deal. No one's ever attempted to do this. And it, it just had it 11 months ago. So six months ago, he was unsure he would ever even play again. And here he was you know, being Tiger Woods. And I think this this community, which hadn't had a chance to see him, um, golfers, non-golfers alike, were out there at Valspar. They were loud. It was just tremendous golf theater. And if you don't think golf needs Tiger Woods, Steve, you were saying the ratings on this thing were just off the chain, right? The, the tweet I saw was that the third-round coverage was the largest rating of a third-round PGA Tour event in 12 years. That's incredible. 
That really is. I mean, you think, and there's been a lot of great golf and a lot of great tournaments. I mean, you think about some of the young golfers out there that have won majors. I mean, Jordan Spieth had that, you know, a couple of years ago, won two, could have won three. It's not as if golf had died, but it just wasn't the same. It's not been the same. And, you know, Tiger now with what he's attempting to do, and I think the fact that, you know, he feels good again, he feels healthy again, he's still adjusting to playing. He hasn't played that much, to say the least. But he's he doesn't take for granted that, you know, this was ever going to happen. And so you can almost see him sort of letting letting the fans in a little bit more. Um, his answers to questions seem to be more honest, seem to be more heartfelt. He was pretty pleased with what happened this weekend for a lot of different reasons, but he was very complimentary of, of Tampa Bay, of this tournament, of the enthusiasm. In fact, here's what he tweeted shortly after the tournament from Tiger Woods. Wow, what an amazing week. People, atmosphere, adrenaline, back nine on Sunday. Man, I've missed this. Getting better. Thank you for all the support. It was obvious that, you know, he felt the adrenaline and, and fed off the crowd like he used to. And and in response, you know, I, I didn't hear the hecklers. I mean, there may have been some, but it seemed like it seemed like all love. It seemed like, you know, people were glad that he was back in golf. And I think I think the guys that it had not had a chance to play with him. Some of the younger golfers were glad he was back too, as well as some of the ones that know what this is about, that have had to endure these large galleries. And, you know, some people say it's it's like a shot and a half or two shots difference when you're playing with Tiger Woods because people are moving around and you just, you know, you you have all of that to, to try to handle. But I never thought, I, I'll be honest, I and I've talked, we've had a million of these questions on all these talk shows we do, especially on Spectrum Sports and the face-off and all that. And for a while there was, will Tiger Woods ever win another major? And then it was, will Tiger Woods ever win another golf tournament? And then it was, will Tiger Woods ever play again? I mean, that's that's sort of that's sort of the the chronology that we've we've sort of witnessed here. And you know, with each injury, with each false start, I I just got less and less certain that we would ever see him win another tournament. I mean, I know he hasn't won yet. But a number, a, you know, a second place finish and playing the way he did this weekend is certainly something that could propel him, especially now that he goes this week to uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, where he's won eight times. Now he hasn't won there. I don't think he's played since he hasn't played in a couple of years. Yeah, he hasn't played thirteen. In, yeah, in many years, but but nonetheless, I mean, this is you know, this is after shooting what seventy, sixty eight, sixty seven, seventy finishes nine under par. Uh, it's the closest that he's come to winning since he tied for second in 2013 at the Barclays. Um, so th- this is this is just good stuff. And I think, you know, he talked about sort of getting the feels back. I mean, he really was able to manage his game. Um, you know, didn't take the driver out very much, didn't have to. Like I said, on this course, he, he liked the fact that you got rewarded for par. You're never going to fall too far out of it. Um, I, I kind of wish that, like, when he got to – 18 even though you know he wanted to shape the drive and he used a two iron you know if he'd been able to hit a three wood or get a little bit closer maybe his approach would have been a little bit better and he had a better look at at a birdie at 18 but you can't fault for the way he played I mean this was this was tremendous so now the question is uh will he win a tournament could he win at Bay Hill I think the answer is yes if you ask me that and that's the next question will he win a major and I'm going to tell you right now, and, and I don't think this is going to change unless he becomes injured. I think it's just going to increase. 
He'll be the favorite. He'll be the odds betting favorite to win the Masters. Out of all the golfers that have been playing, you know, the last four years regular, here's a guy that's, you know, played in his fourth official tournament since undergoing his fourth back surgery. He'll be favored to win the Masters. It's incredible. You just you just can't you marvel at just what he's been able to accomplish. Now, I want to see how he responds to this week because you know he, he played a couple tournaments, then he took a week off. He didn't play in Mexico. He said he wanted to get his body back, and he, he you know he's obviously got to do some things, um, you know, to keep himself in shape. But you got to believe that you know after after those four competitive rounds, emotionally, physically, he needs a little break. And I think he said after the tournament that. He's not picking up a club on Monday. Yeah, he he did, did say you, that. He said Monday not picking up a club, then I'll head over to yeah. Orlando and Bay Hill. Yeah, and so, you know, again, hopefully his body responds to it and there's not any complications. We just don't know. I mean, he's in the great unknown right now. I mean, this is remarkable. Um, I think they measured him with the, with the, uh, the fastest club speed of the year, 123 miles an hour, I think, on a shot, a drive that he hit on Saturday. Um I mean, he's doing things that no one would have predicted he could ever do again. But, man, he looks confident, and he looks so calm uh, punting the ball and just uh, you know, just kind of locked in his short game, his scramble game, everything you remember about Tiger. And it was – I mean, I, you, can't, you cannot deny that he is still the biggest draw in golf and good for golf and good for ratings and helps everybody out on that tour – at 40, what is he, 41 years old, I want to say? Yeah, he's over 40. I mean, he's still got plenty of years in him. I mean, Phil Mickelson just just won the week before, and Phil's a number of years older than Tiger. So, look, it'd be great to think that he could come back and, and you know, be competitive like he was this weekend in, in future tournaments. So, good for Tampa. Hopefully he'll he'll see this place as the place that sort of reignited his career. He's got to have a warm feeling about the area and about the reception he got here. So with any luck, and, and if it falls on the calendar right for him, we'll see him back at the Valspar again because I'd hate to think that this was the last time we'll see Tiger Woods. Let's hope not because it was fun. This was a fun weekend, not just in Tampa Bay but for golf. Um, but in Tampa Bay specifically, I mean, that's what everyone's buzzing about. That's right, and they and it's only going to help the field in the future. I mean, you guys like I mean, Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, who are in this tournament, didn't make the cut. I mean, and then you know the the people on the leaderboard the last day were pretty darn impressive. I mean, this was this was a great draw that they got, and of course highlighted by Tiger. Um, it still would have been a great tournament with some of the guys that were out there, um, but nothing like Tiger Woods, and nothing like Tiger Woods playing like Tiger Woods. I think that's the key. So also on the weekend, before I get to the uh, Mike Evans giant contract and just sort of what that means and where the Bucks are now going forward, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's a $15 value, and as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com, that's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday, 
to take advantage of the deal. That's audibletrial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. So Mike Evans signs an enormous contract on Friday, five years, $82.5 million. That includes $55 million in guarantees. Now, it's a five-year extension, okay, which means that it actually kicks in after this year. He's already signed uh, sort of a fifth-year option that the Bucks picked up for $13.258 million. So that's what he's going to earn in 2018. What this means is he signed all the way through 2023 which is great for the Bucks, and I would think for Mike Evans as well. It also means that he is the second highest paid receiver in the NFL in terms of average salary. This deal is going to average about $16.5 million. Antonio Brown of the Steelers signed a $17 million a year deal not too long ago. Now, there's going to be other guys that come up that may top that, even guys like you know Odell Beckham and others. But for right now, at least, he is the, uh, the second highest paid receiver in football, the highest paid Buccaneer by average salary, and that's quite a achievement when you think about it for a wide receiver. But, you know, I, I would say this. It's, it's deserved in the sense that, what, there's just him and I want to say Randy Moss, who's his idol, A.J. Green, guys that have managed to have over 1,000 yards in their first four years in each of their first four seasons. If you remember, last year it really came on the last completion almost, that Jameis had to Mike Evans to get him at 1,001 yards. He did not have his best year. He had his, in fact, he had his lowest year in terms of yardage of his career, and I didn't think he played that well. He went from 12 touchdowns uh, down to about, I think it was three or four, and, you know, now some of that, is that all on Mike Evans? No. They had other weapons. You know, we had O.J. Howard, who was drafted and had six touchdowns. And Mike was the biggest red zone target, you know, last year and in, in previous years. They also had Deshaun Jackson, who they're trying to force the ball to. Chris Godwin had some plays. Adam Humphreys was the second leading receiver on the football team. So plenty of places for Jameis Winston to go with the ball. But I also think that, you know, unlike needing 174 targets the year before, which led the NFL by far and, and produced his best season in terms of yards and, and touchdowns, um, I also think that, you know, he just didn't play as well. And well, you know, how, much, teams, how much of that is, you know, Jameis Winston was hurt for four games, didn't play another three games that Fitzpatrick started. Yeah, I think it's part of it. I don't think it's the whole thing. I, oh, no, I actually no. think. Yeah, I agree. I I actually think that 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 the the reliant. I guess you would say, sort of the the desire or the intention to, to try to get another receiver involved, which should which should have actually helped Mike in some ways. But, you know, the red zone is where Evans did most of his work. And not that Deshaun Jackson's a red zone receiver. He's not. But you had Cam Brait, who caught six. You had, you know, O.J. Howard, who caught six. So teams were going to double Mike every time they got down there. And where they would move him around in the past, and, he, and he'd have, you know, a little bit more options in terms of where he was going to go when they got in the red zone. And a lot of those plays, Jameis sort of just kept alive and would roll out and would find Mike on scramble plays. They didn't rely on that as much this year. And, you know, I I, I do think that Jameis being hurt was a factor. I mean, the three games he played, he wasn't as good. Fitzpatrick was still getting used to their offense. And so even though he went 2-1 and one as a starter, it wasn't like Evans lit it up. I mean, he found a lot of the receivers. But, but Mike is – going to be a guy that, you know, is going to continue to be good with that big body, six foot five, 
you know, he's got good enough speed to get down the field at times. I just think that his, you know, at, at age, what is he, 20, 24 years old? I mean, consider how young he is when he came to this league. He was barely 20 years old. He's still got some great football ahead of him. And I don't, and the other thing I think about Mike Evans is I don't think the money's going to change him. You know, players very often, they, once they get the, the enormous contract, you know, that's kind of what they're in it for. They don't work as hard or maybe, you know, it, it doesn't mean as much to them. They got other priorities. Uh, they have to manage that money. They, you know, Mike, in Mike's case, he started a foundation. But with Evans, it's never, it's really never been about his numbers. I mean, it's funny. This guy has put up, you know, tremendous numbers, has made a Pro Bowl has done a lot of those things, but he's only experienced one winning season and he's not been to the postseason. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, sort of in his response on Instagram to signing this deal, the first thing he mentions is that he, you know, it'll keep him here in Tampa Bay because these are the guys he wants to win a Super Bowl with. And in talking to guys like Todd Munkin, who was his wide receivers coach and the offensive coordinator, the guy who's in charge of the passing attack, I mean, he made it clear that, you know, Mike is one of these guys that can sort of be too emotional. He has passion for the game, but that's that fine line you walk. But he always has said that the frustration he's shown on the field at times is about winning, or in this case, not winning. Um, you know, he's, he's a sports junkie. He, he, you know, was an athletic kind of nut, as Munkin calls him. But that's sort of the way he is, and winning – has always been a big deal to him. That's always been, you know, the, the competitive part of it has always meant more to him. I've seen him have, you know, off-the-chain type performances in games, and he really has never made much of it if the team didn't win. Um, it was always something that was kind of soured for him. So I don't think he's going to work any less. I, I think he's going to be able to handle this. And really, this is just the start of things. I mean, when you think about this football team. And I know Jason Light isn't the most popular GM right now because it seems as if every time there's a player that they absolutely could use gets traded or gets released and sign, so they sign with another team. The latest is Richard Sherman, which people I'm sure are already on social media complaining about. Although Richard Sherman was never coming to Tampa Bay. Um, I think that, you know, even though Tampa was one of the teams that was on his list or teams that expressed interest in him, it just made too much sense in San Francisco for the mere fact that he's from Stanford. He gets an opportunity to play against Seattle twice a year. That's certainly an up-and-coming team. He sees the quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo and, and John Lynch, um, you know, certainly is doing a good job of assembling talent out there. We still don't know what Sherman's situation will be with respect to his Achilles. But I, I do think that Jason has built a core of players, and you're going to see – this is just the start of things. I mean, first you have Mike Evans, right? And then you have other players that are going into their fourth years that they would like to sign to extensions as well and keep them from getting to free agencies. Guys that don't have fifth-year options because they weren't necessarily first-round picks. Guys like Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith and Quan Alexander. Those are all guys that I think before training camp, maybe not right away, but before training camp, they'd like to come to agreements with all those players. You might see restricted free agent like Cam Brait, who you know they certainly value as a tight end. It's been a real make it guy for them. I think that he could get a new deal and prevent him from maybe getting an offer sheet from another team. So this is sort of the the first domino to fall, but it, it shows that with the youth of this football team and these guys now coming into their second contracts, 
that this core of players is going to be together for a while now. So from that standpoint, if you're a Bucks fan, I would feel pretty good about the Bucks and where they're going with a lot of their salary cap money because, again, you can go out there and you can get your Chris Bakers. And, look, I'm not saying they're not going to sign some guys in free agency, which you know, essentially the, the tampering period, if you will, starts today and goes through you know, the, the new league year, which begins at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. That's when teams can actually you know, sign players. They can reach agreements starting today and, until Wednesday at 4 o'clock. But after that, they can actually announce them. I think you'll see the Bucks sign some people. Um, and they certainly want you know, guys like Brent Grimes back. I don't know where that is. But it, we've seen them swing and miss, too. And so the best thing you want to do with all this cap room, and they might have close to $80 million before it's all said and done, minus Mike's contract, but the best thing you can do is lock up the players that you've drafted and developed. That's, those are the teams that win. And you know, given the fact that Jameis could be coming up with a new deal in a, in a couple years, you want to try to get as many of these guys under the cap now as you can because he's going to eat up an awful lot of it. So I'm happy for Mike. I'm happy for his family. He has an unbelievable story. I think he'll do good things with his foundation that he's already begun, um, which is, you know, to to help people who are victims of domestic abuse, which his mother certainly was. Um, and you know, it's it's a good thing when you can sign core players. We saw that the Bucks did a lot of that back in the day when they won a lot of games. When Derek Brooks, when Warren Sapp, when John Lynch, uh, you know, Simeon Rice, all these guys came up for new deals and they were able to keep those guys together, and they won for a long time. So good for Mike uh, Evans, and we'll be following the other signings. You can uh, make sure you check back on TampaBay.com because it's going to be a busy week with free agency, and that begins uh, today essentially when they can begin talking to, to players who are free agents. Okay, so I mentioned over the weekend uh, the Lightning. Steve, you were there. They beat Montreal, another shootout, 3-2. to two. Yes. Louis Domingue in net this time looked pretty good to me. He did, yes. Lightning, of course, came out in the first period and uh, didn't look very good, but kind of turned it no. up as it went on. They get the tie uh, and, go in, and go into the shootout. Braden Point in shootouts is just amazing. He's, he's money. He he's is. absolute money. He absolutely is. Uh, it was funny because Phil Esposito on the call, or Dave Michigan, Phil Esposito, and Braden started, and he goes, too, too slow. He's going in too slow. Score! <laughs> yeah. He's actually, I mean, he, the, I think the success he has is because of his speed. I think he's mm-hmm. one of the few guys that actually comes in there and, and puts a lot of pressure on the goaltender with all that speed. But he's he's uncanny. Uh, he's, I think he's over 60% now on those things. Yes. Which is just incredible. Um, so that's Mikhail Sergachev took the first penalty or a, a shootout shot. I saw that. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if it was because it was his old team that they had him do that, or I, I thought it was maybe curious. Pra- you maybe you practice. Don't, you don't see many defensemen go that early in a shootout. If it goes 10, 11 rounds, then you got to get there. But Right. Well, point is their money guy. There's no doubt about that. And so they have now 100 points on the season. Just amazing season for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They do, and they continue First, to be six points up on Boston now. With uh, Boston's got two games in hand as they lost on Sunday to the Blackhawks. So, as the yeah. Boston is now on a stretch. They just started today or Sunday. Seven out of eight on the road. So, and and the Lightning well, play Boston three to times in the to end the season here. So, including this coming Saturday. That'll be maybe a preview of something to come, like a like an Eastern Conference final. Who well, those, knows? those but, well, uh, no, those three games will pretty much determine, or more than likely determine, who's the first seed and the second seed. They would face in the second round of the playoffs, based on the way the playoffs are seeded. 
Well, the winning keeps happening. That's all I know. I turn on the TV, and I know I know the Lightning are probably going to win the game. And Ryan, uh, Ryan McDonough know- made his debut on Saturday. Looked pretty good. He had. A, I wouldn't say it looked great. He had a couple. Um, he had a turnover or two, and and that. But he looked good. It was good to have him on the ice, and he played with Girardi, his old teammate from New York, which allowed, allowed some comfort level for him. Yeah, it's got to help him to have a bunch of former Rangers on that team. I mean, Yari kind of is familiar with them, so. Yeah, everything's going to go well for the Lightning. I mean, that's that's the team that's got it going right now in Tampa Bay. There's no doubt about that. The Rays are uh, sending some guys down to the minors, some of the, the players that they hope to see back later this year, right? Yeah, Willie Adamas, Jake Bowers, and others. Uh, minor league games start this Wednesday in camp. So Rays have an off day Monday. Tuesday they'll work out with the minor league teams, and those guys will then play in the minor league games. Uh, basically, you're not going to have them on the opening day roster. Uh, whether you don't think they're ready or you don't want to start the clock yet, whichever the reason is. Uh, so send them down the minor league game so they get more at-bats, more work, uh, and sure. get their season going. I think you'll see all those guys. I really do before long. The NCAA tournament, it was uh, bracketologists were out in force, of course, Selection Sunday. All right, we, we're going to break down all 67 games on your bracket. So <laughs> no, we're let's, not. Let's start out with Dayton with the first four. <laughs> we're really not. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about it all week because we've got to get your brackets ready, and March Madness is upon us. But the number one seeds are Virginia, Villanova, Kansas, and Xavier. And, yes, you have three Florida teams in it, Florida State. Now, the fans from Xavier would be upset that you're calling them Xavier. Did I call him Xavier? It's yes, Xavier. It's Xavier. Did I say X? Yes. They get, the they get very touchy about that. The X-Men. Yes. I worked Xavier. with them for five years when I uh, lived in Cincinnati. So. Okay. Well, your Bearcats are in it, too. There are two seed They're in, f- there are two seed in the South. That's pretty good. Absolutely. Florida State uh, is a ninth seed. They play Missouri there uh, in the West region. And Florida is a sixth seed, which I – look, I wasn't sure Florida was going to make the tournament. Maybe I'm the only guy that thought that. But they're – they're all the way up to a six. Oh, they're, they're the res- they've got a good resume. They've got a, yeah, they've got I mean, a very good resume. They SEC really good was strong this year. This year. Well, they beat, they, they they beat play, Cincinnati earlier in the year. That's one of their resume wins. That's a big one, yeah. They play uh, the winner of the play-in game between St. Saint, Saint Bonaventure and UCLA. And who else was in this? Miami's Miami, a six right? seed, yes. I yeah. think they're in the west bracket. I don't yep. remember who they play off the top. I'm not sure who they play. But those are the things we're going to talk about later this week. But... And we can get into all the, you know, who the losers will. I mean, teams like Louisville and Oklahoma State, you know, Notre Dame. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of crying towels going out there. I think for, Louisville uh, for got teams punished. That didn't get it. I do. I and I it wasn't wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else was kind of in that. There were two or three teams that were in those scandals mm-hmm. that I think I think the NCAA, without admitting it, uh, probably probably looked the other way. Probably kept them out. A lot of local guys in this tournament as well. We'll talk about them during the week. Kevin Knox, of course, being the one everybody's familiar with. He just turned 18 years old today, uh, on Sunday, I'm sorry. And it's incredible. They have a very young team. By the way, and something I harp on all the time, the NCAA, do you see where they topped $1 billion for the first time? No, but we can't pay players. Year? We can't pay players. There's no money we can't to pay, pay players. players. A billion, a billion dollars. And, in fact, they're uh, going to pull in 800 and $69 million for this NCAA tournament. Think about that. $869 million. That's incredible. It's just one I mean, shining it, moment. It's one, it's one shiny dollar. It's unbelievable. None of these guys are going to get anything except some of them tickets to the NBA. Finally, uh, I didn't get to watch much or any of this, actually, but uh, Sebastian Bordai, 
wins again. Local the, resident. Yeah, uh, Firestone. Yes, he lives here in St. Petersburg. And he came from, I guess he shred a tire in the first lap, the opening lap. So that means he came pretty much from behind. And well, he, was in, like he, he was in third place as they entered the final lap and thought, hey, I'll take this after, you know, having to go to the back yeah. of the pack at the beginning. And then a wreck. And then Robert, Robert, yeah, they have a wreck. Robert Wickens and Alexander Rossi with two laps to go. Uh, they end up uh, crashing, and he he takes the checkered flag and back to back Grand Prix wins. So it's good if you live in St. Petersburg and you're racing this race. That it seems to have, uh, there's a lot of that going around in the past. So, so a selection for the women's basketball tournament uh, will be on Monday, and we'll see if USF where they rank in the tournament in terms of which seed and whether or not they're going to host a couple of games, which I think think they certainly want to and deserve. And tomorrow's also, show will break down your complete bracket for the women. <laughs> yeah, women, sure. Yeah, I'm, I got UConn. <laughs> Anybody? I'll take – that's one of normally those where I, you can – Normally I take the field in those bets. I'll take UConn right. too. That's that's absolutely – and it used to be Tiger Woods of the field now, but certainly UConn or the field is still in play, although Tiger Woods in the field might be uh, might be popular as well coming up. But the big news uh, all week long, of course, is going to be free agency. The NFL, that sort of begins on Monday as well. And I want you to keep checking on TampaBay.com to uh, get the latest updates. Also, on Twitter, you can always reach us uh, at SportsDayTB. That's at SportsDayTB or me at NFL Stroud. You can reach me on email at rstroud at TampaBay.com. And we want to make sure that you guys make this a habit when you do subscribe to this podcast that you have a chance to not only uh, listen to it but also rate and review if you can and where can they do that steve you can anywhere you get your podcast whether it's itunes or google play stitcher tune in we're now on iHeartRadio app as well soundcloud uh, or tampabay.com slash sports always has the latest i'm telling you i'm already going through tri- tiger withdrawal it was such a great weekend i guess i'm gonna have to watch bay hill next weekend but i hope everybody that went out to the Valspar had a great time, and we certainly enjoyed watching him play and bringing you some of the highlights and some of the sound as well. So for Steve Versting, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.